All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, of course they did. Of course they didn't. Because when it comes to getting to 500, I'm afraid it just might not be in the Lakers' fortunes this year. Fortune 500, they still are not. So if you're still waiting for them to make things even, Stevens, in the win-loss column, do not hold your breath. Because as long as bad process continues to rule the day from up top, we are always going to be a one-step-forward, two-steps-back kind of team and organization. Anyways, I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and today, to help us vent, we are joined by a very special guest, longtime friend of the podcast, an independent Lakers media mogul in his own right. You know him as Mr. Ricky Sanchez. No, sorry, Mr. Ricky Spanish on Twitter. That was your OG Twitter name. You know him as Mr. Ricky Spanish on Twitter, creator of the Late Night Lake Show podcast and brand, Mr. Ricky Barnes. Ricky, this was supposed to have been a different kind of episode, but, you know, we will try and claw past our frustrations and get to the mostly good stuff, but we will also definitely vent. Regardless, welcome back to the show, how you been? What's going on, man? Yeah, I just I smile every time you do your intros. Now I'm in person for it's like, yes, this is why this is why we get this what the people want the Jonathan intros, man. Yeah, everything's good. Yeah, Lakers could not go without, you know, uh, ticking us off every four games. Right. You know, uh, you combine that with the Knicks loss. And I think folks are starting to lean back from sipping the uh, the Kool-Aid of, yeah, we're, we're going, we're getting after it just a little bit now that they've strung together two losses in three games. But, you know, hey, I'm sure we got plenty of topics to get into. And I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for hopping back on. I was going to say it sucks, you know, because I was pre-prepping for the show after the Pelicans game. And I already had the back to 500 intro set up. I had the title for getting back to 500. I had to scrap all those plans after we lost to the Rockets. And I'm like, of course, I should never. This is why sometimes pre-planning doesn't work out. Um, and I was actually- No, they do it to you on purpose, man. They know as soon as you, you, you're you ahead of the game. They're like, nah, nah, how about we just lose to the Rockets? So I know. So to give you a little backstory or to let you in behind the back door, behind the curtains- the original title to this episode, Ricky, was supposed to be Evening the Odds, because we're finally at even, evening the odds. Now the title is Uneven, Even Still. So boom, there you go. Quick little switch up, <laughs> yeah, and we are here. there we go. The Lakers are 34 and 36. They are 10th in the West behind the 34 and 35 Thunder, who play the Raptors tonight. So hopefully they'll also be 34 and 36 after the night is said and done. And they are also behind the 35 and 35 Mavs, who won in overtime to the Spurs last night with no Luka and no Kyrie. The Lakers play the Mavs on Friday. I'm honestly not sure whether I want Luka and Kyrie to both be sitting out, because then that means the Lakers can just lollygag their way through much of the game and potentially lose. So maybe one of them will be back. Maybe both of them will be back. Regardless, we are here. Instead of being at 500, the Lakers are two games below 500. And... Yeah, they decided to lose to the second worst team in the NBA, the worst team in the Western Conference. Yeah, they did. Um, along with the fact that the front office still hasn't signed an additional big man with their open roster spot that has been open since Matt Ryan was cut back on December 7th. That is the same Matt Ryan who won them a game earlier in the season at the buzzer versus the New Orleans Pelicans, a game that may end up determining the Lakers' play in fate. So kind of hilarious all around. 
Ricky, I wanted to ask you before we dive into this episode. So in today's episode, we're going to vent a little about last night. And then we'll talk about the last 12 games that the Lakers have in front of them and see where we can find the wins. And then we'll go back to, you know, the lit vibes, good feelings of it all at the end. Uh, Because for the most part, it has been a lot of fun to cover and watch this team in the last few weeks. Last night's Rockets loss notwithstanding. But first, I want to get to last night's loss to the Rockets. And I think for me, what makes this loss so frustrating for a lot of fans is that, Ricky, we were finally all bought in. We as Lakers Nation were all ready to go to war, war with this team and run through a wall for this group. That still shot of LeBron on the bench with the rest of the guys cracking up and doing the three-point celebration with the arm. That was a beautiful mosaic, a renaissance painting you should frame. And then the very next night... To have this lackluster performance against the Houston Rockets and to not have prepared adequately for that moment, knowing that she would sit Anthony Davis, to not prepare with additional big man insurance, it's almost like you took that Renaissance painting, Ricky, got a small pile of doo-doo and smeared it over that painting, you know? And I think that's what makes it even more frustrating because we were just about to pop off. And the, the momentum seemingly just died. Does it shift everything? No, we're still in the hunt, et cetera, et cetera. But I think, as you know, things can flip on a dime in the NBA. Momentum is so fleeting and fickle. And it frustrates me that we did not take advantage of the immense opportunity we had last night to blow the lid off of this season and really go on a tear. So I have an analogy for what we did last night. Yeah. Instead of reading the moment and going down the court like D'Angelo Russell and nailing that momentum-shifting transition three of his that blows a game wide open, instead, last night, we did the Russell Westbrook thing and took an ill-advised above-the-break three for no reason and killed all the vibes. Instead of being at 500, we're back at two games below with a sour-ass taste in all of our mouths, wondering if we'll slip even further when we face the Mavs on Friday. So... Do you have some of those same feelings after the Rockets lost? And I, I think it's just, I think the biggest piece of the Rockets loss, right, is the is the elephant in the room as to why most people will say that they lost. There's no excuse for it to lose to the Houston Rockets without Anthony Davis and LeBron James. The Lakers have enough pieces, healthy enough pieces, even though when you looked over at the bench a couple of times and there would be some players checking in, you're like, holy shit, there aren't a lot of bodies over there these days. But nonetheless, I mean, the Lakers dropped a game in which the – First reaction is going to be if Anthony Davis would have played, they wouldn't have lost. And I think that's the truth. Right. But the fact that they lost that game now puts us in this world where we have to go back and look at that Knicks game. Right. We have to say, damn, that was one they dropped. We just dropped another one that they should have had. And the vibes. Hashtag vibes, right? They they start to to fleet a little bit when you start to see, oh dang, a couple people starting to leave the party. What's going on? Are they they arguing and again? What, what's going on? It's starting to not look as much of a banger as it was just a couple of hours before. So I mean, the the NBA. Everything is ebb and flow, right? This is not the NFL where you have to sit on it for five, six days before your team plays again. The Lakers will be back tomorrow, but. Those were the games that you really, 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 really needed. Everybody's like, oh, there must win game. No, that was 
a must-win game. This Dallas game, there's no guarantee. You, The Lakers, depending on if Luka and Kyrie are going to play, they they probably won't even be favored to win, right? So let's, let's just be honest about the situation. The Lakers dropped a game in which it feels like the front office, the medical group, Anthony Davis, the team, the bench, Darvin Ham, all of the above, kind of, kind of let slip away. And they dropped the ball. Yeah, like in in totality, right? And they can't be let off the hook for that, especially when you compound it with they could have had somebody to play yes. some effing post defense. They decided in the second half, hey. Wenyon, Wenyon's a guy that can play some pulse defense, but at the same time, you could have brought in a player that, because Wenyon's not your prototypical no. big <laughs> defender, man. Like, it, it's really kind of that confluence of just cockiness, dumb decision-making, not understanding the urgency that it is right now, and then just, Penny you know, relaxadaisical effort that the Lakers came out with in the first half. And a little bit of a penny pinching, maybe a lot of bit of penny pinching yeah, as well. well. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you guys know all about that. And uh, let's see. Like you mentioned, you know, now we're staring down the barrel of a gun with this Mavericks game at home. And anything happens in the NBA, right? We go from immaculate vibes, things are lit, things are yeah. fine, to you lose this Rockets game. And what happens if you happen to lose the Mavs game? And now you're three games below 500. And then the arguments start cropping up, like you said, between teammates. What happened to those immaculate vibes all of a sudden? Now everybody's pointing fingers at each other. And instead of having blown the roof off the door against the Rockets, got into 500 and steamrolled, now we're backsliding and the momentum is going the exact opposite way. And I think that's my biggest fear. So I don't think people, I don't think we're overreacting to this one loss. It doesn't change the grand scope of things. It doesn't change the fact that all these pieces fit. It just makes you worry about the decision makers up top and what could potentially happen because just when you thought they were going to turn a corner, again, the front office lets something fall through the cracks. The front office lets something fall through the cracks on the margins again, you know, with this 10-day signing, with this open roster spot that they have had open and available since mid-January. People will like to say, what big would have made a difference last night? I don't know, man. They lost by four points last night. And if they hadn't gotten blown out in the first half and at least had another capable seven-footer who was at least 260 pounds to give some punishment to some of those guards that were just waltzing to the layup line, I think that would have helped, even if it was a guy to just foul people. You know what I mean? Like Hassan Whiteside, I know this is a funny comp. So Hassan Whiteside, funny example, I mean. Hassan Whiteside is slow as hell, right? But this dude is still seven foot plus. Still, I don't even know how how much he weighs. I'm guessing like 270, something like that. Large ass wingspan. I think last season for the Jazz, he averaged like eight points, eight rebounds, and 1.6 blocks in like 15 minutes. You don't think that guy could have given some It would have helped. It would have helped. It would have helped. Honestly, even starting Wenyan Gabriel in the second half helped, you know? So I guess you can also point to Darvin Ham. Why did you start Rui Hachimura next to Jared Vanderbilt for and allow Rui to get killed by Alperin Shingun? So you can point the finger to a lot of people last night in terms of blame. But all I'm saying is it's a bad time to sort of have this misstep this late into the season with only 12 games left because, look, the Clippers are now in a groove. The Mavericks are potentially going to have Kyrie Irving and Luka back. 
So instead of seizing this moment, we buckled. And again, all it takes is one misstep to have you slipping and sliding through the last 12 games of the season. John, so I, have I got some... an analogy for you real quick. Yeah, go for it. For what, what this meant. So the Lakers in this point in the season, I'm going to say there's about three minutes left in the game. Three minutes left in the fourth quarter. And the Lakers were down six. And instead of a three that rimmed out to drop it down to a three-point game, they missed. The opposing team came back and drilled a three. And now it's a nine-point game with two minutes left to go. Mm -hmm. These are the crucial moments where the Lakers could have been going into Dallas with the opportunity of being one game above 500 if you pick up that win. Now, if you lose to Dallas, you're three games under 500. Yep. That is heaven and hell of a difference, right? And we, we'll go through the, yes. the rest of the season schedule a little later, but it can't be understated at this point right now, right now, how bad of an opportunity that was that slipped away from the Lakers. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean – do you, and I'm, I'm, maybe I'm still in the thunder a little bit, but do you think that Anthony Davis should have overrid the medical staff and said, no, nah, after this, I'm playing? I think he probably could have, and he probably should have, but also I'm reminded of the 2020-21 season when he did that against the Suns in the play-in. He played on that strained groin for like a few minutes to start the game, and he ended up making things worse. So I have to think all this stuff is in, the, is in the back of everybody's heads. And, you know, from Anthony Davis's perspective, he just watched this team mollywop, you know, the Pelicans the night before. And he's seen this team, even without D'Angelo Russell, without him, without LeBron James, beat the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, on the road. So from his end, it's like, you know, okay, maybe the medical staff is right. I do agree at this point in the season, though, you want to seize the moment, seize the opportunity, carpe diem this shit. And yeah. it's just... Nobody wanted to do that, whether it was Anthony Davis, the medical staff, the front office. It's just, it just boggles my mind that all these small things that you think don't matter because they're margin things, you know, who, in the grand scheme of things, does it move the needle? I hate this move the needle. What difference does it make shit that we've been having to deal with since the start of this season? You see all these small things count and add up, dude. So, Ricky, I have some quick, with regards to the front office, I have some simple yes or no questions for you. So I want you to answer yes or no. You ready? <laughs> yeah. Let's run through this. Did Palinka and the front office redeem themselves this trade deadline by trading Russell Westbrook for depth? Um, yeah, to be determined. I got to see. It, I'm copping out with the answer, but Palinka's got to retain the right players in this, and this roster has to look like this roster going into next year because if they try to do another good job then it's 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 all for nothing like they've done every single year okay in a vacuum though in a vacuum give me the yes or no 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 (laughs) you can't you cannot i have kids right and i understand that children make mistakes that russell westbrook trade bringing him onto the team ended up burning down our house so while (laughs) yes you ended up getting honor rolls right you captain of the football team this year we're still in debt 
behind the eight ball. Daddy lost his job. Mommy's working three jobs. And now we're trying to scrape together just to make sure that we have enough money to put food on the table. That's where the Los Angeles Lakers are right now after the house has been burned down. And now they're out of a hotel, a nice hotel, mind you. (laughs) We got into a nice hotel. But, brother, it's it's not that easy. I need to be in the playoffs to look back and be like, you motherfucker, you wasted a lot of time, but you figured it out yet. So as of today, my brother, no. Okay, that's that's fair, and I'm glad you contextualized things. I'll say in the vacuum, in this very present vacuum, I'll say yes with a lot TBD, okay? So this one, the rest of these, you just got to give me yes or no answers. Okay. Have they had an open roster spot since December 7th? Yeah, man, yes. Have 10 days been available for them to use since mid-January? Yeah. Also, yes. Have they known about AD's foot stress reaction and the fact that he'd likely not be cleared to play back-to-backs for a while? Yes, and I have a rant for that, but yes. (laughs) Okay. Have they known about Mo Bamba being out for the next four weeks? Absolutely. Have they signed an extra big man with their open roster spot this entire time? Absolutely not. So, can you say... That the Lakers have, regardless of whether or not you think it makes a difference to sign a 10-day, can you say that the Lakers front office has done everything in their power to set this roster up for success without LeBron? No! No, so it is the exact same story that we started off this season with, right? Them going into this season without the right mindset, without getting all of their affairs in order, and we're just doing like a snapshot version of that for the tail end of this season. And it frustrates me that they think they did enough to get by again. You know, that's kind of this front office. They were feeling themselves a little too much. And they said, 10 day, who cares? We're so deep. Who needs this? Right. What's your rant? hundred percent. And no, the piggyback off of what you just said, it again goes back to, I guess the cockiness and the penny pinching combination, right? Yeah. You can't be cocky and cheap. Now, the Lakers made a lot of great frugal moves and very using their utilizing their assets properly to get this team to look like a basketball team. I guess one gold star for that. Right. You you fielded a basketball team. You went on PTO after that. You left. (laughs) Like, yeah. Rob's just chilling watching the games now with the rest of us in the locker rooms, you know, basking in the content. I'm sure backstage Lakers is great these days. You see Rob all over that thing place. Yep. But it's like, brother, like, Mo Bamba played 12 seconds and he's hurt now. Like, you traded for that, okay? You just going to wait that one out? Like, I, and I don't even understand. Like, four weeks is not – is what almost the end of the regular season. I don't know, and I hate to just say this – I don't know if the, the plan don't work out. How much Mobamba basketball are we going to see? And then going into next year, like what now you're going to say, well, what do we do with Mobamba? You could have figured that out by getting a replacement for Mobamba in the meantime. But in any event, the uh, Lakers, shit. You got to remind me, man. There was one of your points that you asked me. Go ahead, ask that second question again because I did have my rant. Was it about AD? Have they known about AD's foot stress reaction for this yeah. album? Because they have, and not to steal your thunder, but this is how AD got his stress reaction in the first place, brother. They didn't have adequate help and a competent roster around him when he was going for 38 and 17 in in late November. And then the foot stress reaction. That's a stress reaction, not like an acute injury that happens out of nowhere. You know, it's like piling on of stress. And for us to not have learned from that. Yeah, 
for us to not have learned that and not surround him with big men, and then to not surround the team with more big men when AD has to rest the second night of a back-to-back, it's bonkers. But yes, go ahead. I think a lot of the fan reaction and the fans' negative, um, you know, just overall feelings towards back-to-backs with Anthony Davis could have been all solved if Darvin Ham just didn't flat-out lie to us. He he flat out said coming out of the trade deadline that everybody will be available to go, including back to backs. Now, did they hold a gun to his head and say, are you telling us the truth? Does that include Anthony Marshawn Davis Jr.? And maybe he would have gotten out of coach talk and then had a little bit more truth to him. But damn it, bro, this is what happens when you say one thing. And then the yeah. truth ends up being the complete opposite. If Darvin Ham would just would have came out and said, you know, honestly, wait, at this point in time, we got to grind. We got to go and get to the playoffs in our stretch. But we will not compromise Anthony Davis or any of our players' health on top of that. At this point in time, we are going to monitor back-to-backs on an ongoing basis. Period. Point blank. This man said everybody's ready to go. Well, you know, everybody that was healthy is ready to go. No restrict. Like, you can't do that, Mr. Ham. Maybe that is just part of the learning curve in being a head coach. You can't just talk off vibes and you get what I mean. That wasn't exactly what I was saying, but you you understand what I get. Like, that's probably the biggest issue that Mm -hmm. we would have had time to settle with and deal with. AD's not playing against the Rockets. What would everybody's mindsets have been? Pick Pick up on your bootstraps, figure this game the hell out. This is on this team. And honestly, the team probably could have been in a different mindset about that too, rather than them just saying, what, 24 hours in advance that, yeah, I know big man just got done dropping 35 and 17, but the, I'm sure everybody else can figure it out going into Houston. Yeah, I mean, it's false advertising all the way around. And on top of it, Darvin Ham just needs a PR guy, it seems like, because he said Anthony Davis was pain-free. You don't need to give us that <laughs> info if you're, if you're going to say lying. the dude's pain-free, uh, but he's not going to play. And then he says this thing. I don't know if you caught it in his interview. He said after the Pelicans game, or I, I think it was after last night's game, he said he wanted to rest Anthony Davis with such a big blowout and lead against the Pelicans, hoping that he could save him for the Rockets game. But he had to bring Anthony Davis back in because they lost the lead. So when you hear little snippets like that and little tidbits like that, you're like, oh, so it was possible. You guys just kind of thought you could make do without Anthony Davis anyways. And, you know, I think they could have made they could have been fine without Anthony Davis if they had done the necessary things and made the necessary precautions around that to sign another big man so that he would have other options besides just Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, and Wenyan Gabriel. Okay? Anyways, this is getting bleak and sad. We don't want to vent too much about this team because, again, if we take a zoom out, it has been fun. This roster makes sense. We love a lot of these guys, and LeBron James looks excited to get back onto the court. So we'll take it to break here, and when we return, we'll start to look on the bright side of things while also taking a realistic look at the last 12 games of this season and trying to find where we see the Ws. So we'll take it to break, and we'll catch you guys after the turn. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. 
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, so we are back. Before we get to all the lit vibes and the immaculate vibes, uh, Ricky, let's talk about the last 12 games of this season for the Lakers. Okay. So let me paint the reality for you here. The Lakers need to go 7-5 and five to reach 500 in these last 12 games. In order to reach 42-40, and 40, they need to go 9-3, and three, which seems impossible to me. <laughs> I mean, granted, they just went 7 out of their last 10, but... I don't know. Like we mentioned, momentum is a fickle thing and anything can flip on a dime. Maybe they can reach 9-3 and three if they beat the Mavericks on Friday and pick up some of that momentum, but that remains to be seen. So in my opinion, they need at least to, re- they need to at least reach 500. So that's a 7-5 and five record. What about you in terms of just the macro look of things? Like what record do you think they need to reach? To At this point, I don't think they're going to get the sixth seed. Let's just try and get the play in, but... What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm kind of I'm going to retire it a little bit. There's a two game what difference uh, between us and the the Clippers mm-hmm. right now. Let me see. Let me check the standings real quick. It looks like well, Lakers are yeah yeah two games full two games behind the six seed. But you're right with uh, 12 games to go. A lot a lot of teams in between. I think the Lakers just to feel safe. Um, I agree, 500 ball. But to be honest, the way that this schedule is setting up, there's a couple of iffy games in there, and I think that they probably should be working on an eight and four record mm-hmm. if they want to feel safe, because there are a couple of maybes that can fall either side. You drop one of those, you get to 75, right? Yeah. And then and you're all right. Now you're in Johnny's ballpark, and now you're in, right? But we know how this team goes, man. We know how this team goes. Yep. And to your point, like, look, look at the sixth seed. In 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 the race for the sixth seed, it's the Rockets. Sorry, not the Rockets. The Clippers, the Warriors, who are both gaining momentum. You know, Curry's back. He's dropping 50. Yeah. Clippers have won their last four games after starting 0-5. Russell Westbrook's feeling himself. Goddamn. Although maybe that's a good thing. Keep feeling yourself and see where this goes. See, see where this ends up. Anyways, those teams are rolling, and it's probably unlikely that the Lakers reach the sixth seed unless they go 10-2, and two, maybe? We'll see. Anyways, so I'm looking at 7-5 and five to reach 500 as their baseline. 
Median is obviously eight and four, and then high level, let's get to nine and three if we can and see where we land there at 42 and 40, which is just, that's such a sad number. Anyways, let's say they hit the seven, the seven and five. Where do you see the Lakers getting their seven wins? And you can just list them out if you want to, or I can, I can start. Yeah, no, I, I got them up here. So um, they got to pick up that, uh, that Sunday win in Orlando. That's yep. got to kick start it. I'm be honest, it's going to look real dark if they don't pick up that win in Orlando. And we, we won't it's even at home, talk actually. about that. It's at home, right. so they better pick oh, up so, that win. <laughs> right, sorry, when I meant, yeah, uh, against Orlando. So um, I got them Orlando. I got them winning against OKC. I got them sweeping the Bulls, of course. Okay. Of course. Um, then they pick up a big win against Minnesota to finish out the month, right? Mm-hmm. Beat Houston on a revenge win in a game I'm sure Anthony Davis is going to play. Utah, Utah again, and I think Phoenix is resting that uh, second to last game of the mm. season, so okay. that Friday game. Um, I, there, there's obviously a couple of either ors in there. Uh, like we already said, Orlando is a very, very competitive basketball team, right? And then something just does not sit right with me about the Minnesota Timberwolves at this point in time. So mm-hmm. they might they might sneak sneak out a uh, a win on our Lakers heads. What about you? Sure. So how many wins is that that you just rattled off? What I said: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. And then I put the Phoenix game and the Minnesota game in gray because I just okay. yeah. So I got, nice. you know, that eight and four is where I'm at right now. Like we said earlier, it's where I feel OK about. Sure. And where are you? Where do you stand on the Dallas game? The, uh, God, I'm losing. I kind of do, too. I, it's 50 50 at this point. You know, we'll see. Um, OK, so for me, putting the Dallas game aside, I see our seven wins. It's kind of similar to you. Our seven wins come in the form of a win against Orlando at home a win against OKC at home, a win against Chicago at home. And then this one, I feel like it's tough to sweep a team that you just sort of played recently. So I have it either they win in Chicago or they win in Minnesota. So one of those two games, they'll win one of those two. I don't think they win both of those. So that's four wins right now. Then they beat Houston and then they beat the two Utah games. So that's the baseline seven. Okay. Maybe we win eight if we beat Dallas at home and take care of business on Friday night. So there's eight. Maybe we win nine if we also beat Phoenix at home for one of those games because we play Phoenix twice to end the season as well. And maybe that's the game, like you mentioned, they rest. So there's the seven with the glimmers of hope for eight or nine, right? But the Lakers really have to take care of business against Dallas at home or this could start to slide, you know, quickly. Yeah, it's good. The the momentum will be at a full stop then, right? If you lose against Dallas, now you've what? You dropped eh, you dropped two out of your last four games, right? You're playing 500 basketball, kind of the, the 80 masterclasses are moving into the rear view because then you have lost the game with Anthony Davis playing, yeah. <laughs> right? So that one's going to sting, of course. Everyone's going to start freaking out and start looking at the records and everything like that. But, I mean, damn, Jonathan, that I, I never would have thought that these Minnesota games, especially without Carl Anthony Towns, were like, well, we can't even pencil that in real quick. There freaking is out. there is the the biggest factor in, in all of this, right? The LeBron James return day. Mm-hmm. Now, do I expect him to be LeBron James when he returns? I mean, 
mean, depends on what you mean by that, right? Like LeBron James can be a dominant basketball player in 20 different ways on the floor. He's just that skilled, that smart, right? And even if he needs some ramp up time, you look at these games in the back, right? The I'm sure the Clippers are going to be very excited to see LeBron James um, playing. Now, that's not even sarcasm, man. They, they're mm-hmm. kind of built like that. They get up for the Lakers the most. But, you know, when he's coming in to get a checkup next week, right, that's the week of the 20 or the week of the 19th next week. Maybe we could see him for that that Bulls game selfishly. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. for me, because I'll be that'd there. be great. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I, I don't know. The, having having the king back would be great, but at the same time, I think we both have the Lakers winning all um, every game in April except for two for you and one for mm-hmm. me. So yeah, and and a, an important note on that Clippers game, I believe that is our last back to back. Will Anthony Davis play against the Clippers? We shall see. Technically, what's your answer? I think yes, because it's there's too much. They're getting so much flack right now. And honestly, here's another thing that we didn't talk about. But if they had lost to the Pelicans, I 100% think Anthony Davis would have played the next night against the Rockets. So it's one of those things, you know. Anyways, so along the same lines, in order to help bolster our depth here, in the event that Anthony Davis continues to aggravate his stress reaction or whatever, or he sits out that Clippers game, I think regardless of whether he's healthy or not, even if Anthony Davis is still there, we just need a Mo Bamba replacement. That's the reason why you traded for Mo Bamba, right? Who's his replacement? Nobody right now. So let's talk about big men really quick. Again, we are not saying these guys are going to move the needle or be the difference between a championship or whatever. We're just trying to look out for our stars here. We don't want AD to get any more driven into the ground than he already has, right? We don't want... Jared Vanderbilt to get driven into the ground. I mean, the dude is hustling. I mean, I'm this guy is like Iron Man out there, and I'm worried right. if he ever slips or something, or if that ever fades away. So why don't we do some preventative measures? You know, the one thing that I hate about this front office is it seems like they're so reactive versus proactive about things. You know, they'll only do something until it's very evidently clear that they fucked up. You know, but it, in terms of getting ahead of things, yeah. They think they're fine where they're at. Anyways, let's talk about big men on the market. I'll throw you a short list. If you have any dark horses or anybody else on this list not or not on this list, please feel free to throw them out. But who do you think the Lakers should sign? Nerlens Noel just got let off of his 10-day contract with the Brooklyn Nets, so he's available. But we do also know he has this complicated relationship with Clutch, his former agency, so who knows where that goes. But Nerlens Noel is out there. Sergi Baca played with Darvin Ham as recently as last year. He's out there. Dwight Howard doing crazy shit in Taiwan and hitting threes left and right. He's out there far away. Um, DeMarcus Cousins also played with Darvin Ham last year during his stint with the Milwaukee Bucks. Also has relationships with the Lakers organization. Then there's Derek Favors played for OKC last year. Hassan Whiteside, who I mentioned earlier in the podcast. And then there's a younger dude, Tony Bradley, who's long, seven foot three wingspan, but he's probably too inexperienced for this team. That's my short list of big men. Do you have any others you want to include? If you don't, who would you sort of prefer? I don't. I think you covered anybody of, you know, of real interest right there. And I'm I'm going to just 
spin the block on two former Lakers. One logged zero minutes with the Los Angeles Lakers, and one now has a championship with the team. Give me Dwight Howard part three. Mm. This is the one guy that I'm seeing, obviously besides New Orleans well, who's getting NBA run right now, that is actually a playing competitive professional basketball, right? Whatever you want to say about the league that he's in. I mean, still, Dwight, I know is staying in that type of shape. Now, you look at DeMarcus, he's kind of been a a gym hero, <laughs> right, these past couple of years as he continues to, uh, you know, find his way from 10 days to 10 days. But um, Boogie, if you are looking for somebody that you want to still be a scoring threat on offense when Anthony Davis is out or he goes to the bench, that's where I would lean. DeMarcus Cousins can stretch the floor, mm-hmm. right? And he is still a big presence right there when he gets the ball in good position. Just don't ask for shit when he is on defense, right? If you want a defensive minded guy give me Dwight Howard who is a man that you know obviously is still active on the defensive end defensive IQ is raised especially when he's around other smart defensive minded players right when no one else is responsible for defense except for Dwight it's going to look like the worst thing in the world because he's going to file out in three minutes but if you just use Dwight like a a super soldier just go out there brother block a couple shots be a rim deterrent Like, you know, Kevin Porter Jr., literally, he was at a buffet line at the rim, man. Like, he was getting disrespectful to Dennis Schroeder's face, Mm -hmm. calling him trash. There was nobody on the Lakers' side at that time. It was a bunch of nice guys. All of our bigs are very nice people. Very nice. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, Yeah, I I, I need an asshole to hold it down the post. So Boogie or Dwight would fill that role pretty nicely, especially another vet coming back to a familiar place. Yeah, the main entrees last night in the Houston Rockets buffet line were lobs and open dunks. <laughs> so yeah. uh, Dwight Howard, DeMarcus Cousins would have helped. DeMarcus Cousins is still a big body in the same vein as, you know, Marcus Gasol. Both probably can't move their feet on the perimeter. But in terms of making Kevin Porter afraid to waltz into the lane undeterred, They'll foul the hell out of those guys. We just needed somebody to push a dude. Not hurt them, but make them think about their life a little bit, you know? That's all. Um, So my cop-out answer to this is, Ricky, I'm fine with any goddamn one of these dudes because at least (laughs) it shows me the front office tried. They made the effort. And that, to me, is the most important part. The fact that they haven't tried is the most alarming part. So my cop-out answer is any of these fools. My non-cop-out answer would be, if I had to rank them, I'd go Nerlens Noel up top just because he has played NBA ball this season. Now, Is it concerning that the Brooklyn Nets cut him? Yeah, probably. What does that say? I'm not sure. They'll have to evaluate him. And then after that, I would go DeMarcus Cousins and Dwight Howard. I mean, the Lakers did work out DeMarcus Cousins earlier in January, right? So they have some info on that. But outside of just what they can bring on court, look, Dwight Howard and DeMarcus Cousins, I feel like they would add to the immaculate vibes, right? Especially Dwight Howard. DeMarcus Cousins was a staple of the 2020 championship team and really held the group together when it came to even stepping up to Anthony Davis and LeBron James and telling both of them, hey, you need to get your heads out of your butts and do the damn thing, right? So I even like their locker room chemistry with this team, and they could be important down the line if we are able to fortunately make it to the playoffs. So I'd go Nerlens, DeMarcus Cousins, Dwight Howard. I only put DeMarcus number two just because I haven't seen him play in a Lakers jersey and I kind of want to see it happen, you know, that redemption sort of thing. Um, But if it's Dwight Howard, I'm totally fine as well. Dwight Howard, redemption part three. Now this is going to be fun. Part three, let's do it. 
Um, or actually, is it part four at this time? At this point, maybe it's. Part oh my four. God, we did bring him back for three because he was like, yeah, I, I still want my parade. Damn it, that was yeah. Three. It would yeah. So there you go, part wow. three or. Wait, and I think you mentioned it. Jonathan, but yeah. uh, Boogie is one of uh, Darwin's dogs. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And exactly. there's one thing that Darwin loves is his dogs, right? <laughs> Guys that get after it and, you know, are maybe limited in other areas of their game, but it's okay. Like your favorite dogs in training, you put the blinders on, they can't see nothing else. Like, you know, mm-hmm. well, I think, I think the Boogie stuff's got, it's got a decent shot. But at the same time, man, we talked about it way earlier, Johnny. The, that costs money. That costs it money. It does. The Lakers may not be in the business of doing that for that simple reason. And as sad as that is. We'll see because we're putting the pressure on them now. And Ricky, we pretty much bullied them into making this Russell Westbrook D'Angelo trade. Hopefully we can bully them again to freaking sign a 10-day big man. Anyways, to close this episode, let's get to the immaculate vibes and outlook of this team. Because as... As bleak a picture as we've painted and as frustrated as we've been in this podcast, if we take a step back, on the whole, it's been a joy to watch this team the last couple of weeks. They have been a breath of fresh air, especially since D'Angelo Russell returned from that ankle injury. Feels like we have a future, feels like we have hope, asterisk on a lot of those things, depending on what they do this summer, but given what... Jovan Buha just said on Mike Scotto's podcast today, it sounds like things are moving in the right direction. He even went as far as to say the Lakers are not looking Kyrie's way, you know? They're content with what they have here. And I kind of like the sound of that, you know? But in general, it's just like we're no longer trudging in mud wondering what our direction is so far. Like how we felt when Westbrook was on this team where everything was just limbo you know so this is a fun group it's a deep group it's a group that's versatile and makes sense on the court and it seems like it's a group that the front office wants to build and grow with Jovan said as well in terms of the chemistry on the court or chemistry off the court it's the best that he's seen since he's covered the team and then on the court they've turned into a top five defensive rated team since the all-star break I think it was top two before that Houston Rockets debacle so I'll say top five for now not knowing where they slipped but On defense, we've improved. On offense, if everybody's healthy, we are a threat from every level on the court now. Inside, outside, in transition, I haven't seen, I haven't been this excited for transition pull-up threes in a while. Because usually I'm shaking my head at the fact that that's going to be a long rebound and leak out for the other team because Russell Westbrook just shot it. You know what I mean? But now it's D'Angelo shooting it. And so far, I don't think he's missed like one of those, you know, back-breaking, momentum-shifting transition threes. But yeah, what have your thoughts been on the Houston Rockets lost notwithstanding. What have your thoughts been on this new look group of Lakers, especially since, you know, he ain't even stretched, though D'Angelo Russell has returned? Yeah, it, it's been, honestly, it's been so refreshing, man. Like, just to get back to a sense where you look at the team and one, you go, okay, this makes sense, right? Players are in positions that actually make sense sense having d'angelo russell as your shifty change of pace uh point guard that is an assassin that goes for your throat at the opportune moments early and often that is something that the lakers have not had in a very long time right so watching him not only come watching him come over but not only him then you add two other guys that fit literal slots that the lakers were missing 
a marksman three-point shooter in Malik Beasley, and he was essentially replacing Patrick Beverly in the starting lineup. So a non-three-point shooter. I don't care what the numbers were off the Lakers. you got to subtract 12% when you're on the Lakers. The non-three-point shooter to that, then you get the perfect glue guy in Jared Vanderbilt Mm -hmm. that just fills in the gaps of, yeah, maybe AD isn't at his – Twitch reactions aren't as much as you would want them to be for him to go after rebounds as he still grabs 17 a game. Um, But you got the garbage man that gets on the court that's diving for the loose balls and it's it's inspiring. That's how you generate the momentum where sometimes it's not there. And I think Vanderbilt is, you know, notwithstanding teams are starting to realize to just let him shoot. He is an easy fit around LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Malik Beasley, and D'Angelo Russell. And that what is what gets me so excited not for hopefully a run this year, Johnny, next year, where this team can actually be a collective unit with an offseason together and some time to actually build on this momentum. Yes, it'll be another year of LeBron James playing basketball. Yes, it's another year of uncertainty on what AD health you're going to get. But... The fact that this just all makes sense. And my boy, Rui Hachimura Propaganda Network has been (laughs) so fun to watch, man. And Rui hasn't been the best out of these new additions. Obviously, we're all excited about what D'Lo has brought and just that energy that he has brought in the starters. But Rui, I swear to you, nothing brings more joy to my soul than watching a basketball player know what his bread and butter move Mm -hmm. is and knows how to get to those spots. Rui could get stood up trying to make a move on a player. But as soon as he gives you a quick little elbow and he realizes, oh, I have this much room to get this mid-range jumper off, it's cash. When it released, I haven't, I don't know the last time we watched a uh, a six-man on the Lakers, right, come in, shoot his go-to shot, and you're like, oh, yeah, I ain't even got to worry about that. That is that kind of overall excitement as a basketball fan that you can now start anticipating good things to happen rather than it just sounding like an industrial factory in the 1940s, right? (laughs) Like, that's overall the fan experience of watching the Lakers has risen because it makes sense. And if you've been watching basketball long enough – your brain wants to predict how things are going to go, good or bad, right? And now we're in a spot where Beasley shoots, that's catch. Vanderbilt goes up for a contested layup. He's going to do that corkscrew and get it back up with his left. That feels good. Roy in his mid-range shots, that feels good. And so it, as a whole, we this is a Lakers team that we can get behind, not just for this oh. season, but the future. So it's exciting. Yes. For sure. Amen. Amen. And it's funny to sum everything you set up. The new guys are all momentum multipliers. If you think mm. about it, they bust the door wide open, whether it's a D'Angelo transition three, a silly ass J.R. Smith looking shot that Malik Beasley hits on two guys that the defense is just like, ah, forget about it. The you know audacity. what I mean? Or I Jared Vanderbilt getting a steal all the way into a wide open dunk. Rui Hachimura nailing like that turnaround Kobe Bryant fadeaway J or hitting one of his transition or hitting one of his open threes as well. I mean, all of these guys are stacking on top of each other in a positive way. And I think the thing that I like about Rui too is just you see these flashes and on top of what he's already just shown us, there's just so much untapped potential there too. When you see him block a shot at the top of the box, 
and his hand is above the box of the glass, you know, you're like, dude, that's in there somewhere. Right. You know, we just got to get it out of him more consistently. And I think Phil Handy can do that with a full offseason with this dude. Because one thing you have to remember about Rui, if you didn't know this about his background, is the dude started off playing baseball. He wasn't a basketball player till very late in his career in Japan. So the fact that this guy is as skilled as he is in the mid-range, being a baseball player, to me, that's very impressive. And that means there's a lot more that you can tack onto his game with more time. You know what I mean? Um, So that's my point on Rui. And, And I think, too, one thing that we should note about this group and why we want to carry it into next season is because, Ricky, the team we're seeing right now may very well be the team we see in terms of not having LeBron James, maybe the team we see for... 20 or 30 games next season as well. Right. So I'm almost glad that we got some time away from LeBron James. Obviously, I'm not saying the team is better without LeBron James. But we get a look at how this team can function without one of its stars. Because the reality is, one of our stars is going to be missing for 20 to 30 games every season. Whether it's Anthony Davis or LeBron James or both. Do we have a team that can stem the tide when those things happen? It seems like we do right now. And if we do, that's a team worth carrying on to into the next season. You know what I mean? So I think that's an important reason why, even if we don't make the play-in somehow, we shouldn't just wash all this stuff down the toilet. Mm -hmm. This group can do stuff if given some time, as D'Angelo Russell said. And then the last point I'll make is, I feel like the new guys have even made the old guys better. And by the old guys, I mean Dennis Schroeder, Austin Reeves, Troy Brown Jr., Look at what happens when these dudes are slotted down more and the pressure is not on them. And when they have options and all these safety valves around them to help. It, it makes everybody's lives so much easier. And I'm not just talking about Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Austin Reeves, in March, by the way, through eight games, this dude is averaging 16 points, 5.4 assists, 53% from the field, 38% from three, 82% from the line, true shooting percentage of 68%. I mean, keep all these guys, the old guys, the new guys, whatever. Ricky, last word to you. Yeah, no, I I love coming on here, man. You're so uh, you're you're so thoughtful. Right. (laughs) And in kind of the perspective and all this and always makes me think about different things. And I think to your point, just about fielding a team that can withstand your superstars being out. That is what, you know, having that foresight is what is crucial for extended periods of uh, franchise success. Like you said in the beginning, being a reactionary franchise is what the losers do, right? (laughs) Smart people plan ahead months, years in advance, and it doesn't just mean wait for the next superstar that wants to play in Southern California, and then we'll figure it out after that. You know LeBron James and Anthony Davis are going to miss time. Now, this is where the fan perception comes back in. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit. Fan perception and fan, um, you know, just the fan's voice, it plays a role in these decisions, man. Like, yes, we joke about the pitchforks and, you know, burning out staples and stuff, but they, they hear that. And when you see a team that you know your superstars can be injury-prone at this stage in their career – Uh, And you're not building a roster that can withstand that. That's how you start getting the people saying, well, maybe it's time you start trading Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Then, since you're not going to help them, since you're not going to help the team, why don't you just get rid of them and start all this over? I don't care what the hell you do, because I'm going Mm -hmm. with LeBron. Right. Like there now is a sense of 
okay, this we got some um some bomb shelters starting to build up now with D'Angelo Russell, who can drop 30 on any night, right? He can also give you 16 on 6 for 16 shooting, but you still have a third guy that can withstand some volume and take on a little bit of pressure. So we are, whoa, lights are on and stuff. We are lights in are a on. great spot, bro. I'm, um, I, you know, we wish we had more games on our side, but this is kind of just is what it is. So we're going to continue to will our Lakers through these last few games. Right. But, you know, I'm a, I think we're on the same page, but we're just as equally excited as what this team can be if kept together next year. Yeah. To sum it all up, this is a team worth rooting for. This is a team worth fighting for. And this is a team worth building around. So let's get it done. And let's make the play and keep the momentum going throughout the summer. And it all starts, Ricky, by winning against the Dallas Mavericks on Sunday, or on Sunday, on Friday at home with Luka, without Luka, with Kyrie, without Kyrie, without both of them. We just got to win. You know, no more excuses, no more platitudes from Darvin Ham, Anthony Davis, D'Angelo Russell, whatever. Because D'Angelo Russell had a phenomenal post-game presser after the New Orleans Pelicans saying, we cannot take these guys, you know, we have to be serious about facing the Rockets. And then all of a sudden we're like, nobody was serious from top Very down. Very unserious start. Very yeah, unserious. In- including the head coach. But hey, here we are. Beat the Dallas Mavericks. Get the vibes back, baby. Let's go. Exactly. Let's go. All right, Ricky, thanks so much for hopping on. We appreciate you. Let's have you back on when we're in the playoffs somehow. So I'm let's waiting. do it. Oh, man. Cool. Thanks, man. you having me. See ya. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.